From the Western Riverside Council of Governments, I'm Rachel Singer, and this is CogCast. Lewis Group of Companies has a long-standing history of partnership in the Inland Empire. What first began in 1955 has grown into a company that is marked by its investment in the region. Joining us in the podcast today is Randall Lewis, Executive Vice President for Marketing at Lewis Group of Companies, to share his take on the future of the region in response to recent disruptions. So Randall, thank you so much for being here with us today. My pleasure. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Of course. So just starting us off, can you share a bit about yourself? How long have you lived in the Inland Empire? My parents and family moved out here more than 60 years ago. And so we grew up in Claremont and moved here in the mid-1950s. These are our roots. The Inland Empire is our roots. Totally. So kind of more of a fun question. What is your favorite restaurant in the Inland Empire? (laughs) Well, I don't have one, but our family loves going to independent ethnic restaurants. Okay. We still go to some chains, but we love the independent ethnic restaurants. They're good because they celebrate the diversity of the region because they have such great food. They're loaded with tremendous restaurants in the Inland Empire. I definitely agree. So jumping more into our discussion, um, can you just share about the founding of Lewis Group of Companies and what kind of work the companies does? Sure. My parents were both accountants and some of their early clients were home builders, small, small home builders. And in the early 1950s, they said, if those guys can do it, we can do it. So they decided to become home builders. We grew a company that then was known as Lewis Homes, and it grew to become one of the largest private home builders in the United States and one of the largest home builders in the United States. About 20 years ago, we sold that part of our business. What we have now is something we call the Lewis Group of Companies. Mm -hmm. And I'll go through each part of it because they're very distinct. One big group is what we call Lewis Plan Communities. We have a number of large-scale planned communities in cities like Chino and Ontario, in Fontana and Rialto. We hope to do one out at Lakeview. Mm -hmm. So big master plan communities where there could be thousands of homes and shopping. Those are ones where we entitle them. We work through the the community stakeholders and we particularly put in infrastructure, help make sure schools get built and other needed infrastructure. And on those we sell land in what we call guest home builders. We also have a group (laughs) called Lewis Apartment Communities We own currently around 11,000 apartments. We own almost all the apartments we've ever built. We happen to have sold just a few, but typically we build and hold for the long, long term. Hmm. We currently are building about 1,000 apartments a year, and I would guess in the next five years we'll do four or 5,000 apartments. Wow. We have a group called Lewis Retail Centers. We do shopping centers throughout the Inland Empire. We've got around 30 shopping centers that we own currently, We're going to be opening one in Cala Mesa. We've got a big presence in East Vale. We hope to do one in Paris. Mm -hmm. So we're throughout Riverside County. And on those, we own almost all the ones we've built. We have sold a few of them for strategic reasons, but we typically try to build our shopping centers for the most part for a longer term hold. Mm. We also have a very strong property management group. We have nearly 700 employees and well up there, half of them 
on property management for us. We manage our own shopping centers, our own apartments, our business parks, et cetera. And we do that because we want to own the relationship with the customers. And frankly, we think we do a lot of a really good job and we think we do a better job than some of our competitors. Mm-hmm. We've got a very large industrial group. We're currently working out at Marchfield with the Joint Powers Authority on one of the largest industrial projects in the United in the in California. <laughs> and we've got a big one in Rialto also. And we're working mm-hmm. on some other industrial projects. These have mainly been distribution center oriented for the logistics industry. It's a business that we've just been in less than five or six years, mm-hmm. but we're finding it very exciting and it's very of the moment. Mm-hmm. And last of our activities, we tackle a lot of complex mixed use projects that take someone who's got a long-term view and they can work in the different kinds of real estate groups. We historically don't do high-rise office. We don't do anything downtown LA or downtown Hollywood, but we love suburban development, and that's the nature of what's in the Inland Empire right now. Mm-hmm. We also engage in a lot of public-private partnerships, and we found that that's a good way for us to, to find opportunities and to give back to the community also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, Lewis Group of Companies is definitely involved in a wide variety of activities and business endeavors. So um, like I said, it's been ob- it's very obvious that you're involved in a lot of growth and development issues here in the Inland Empire for quite some you know, time. Too. Say, my hunch is we are the largest real estate company based in the Inland Empire. Mm. And I also think we're the we have more going on than anybody else in the Inland Empire when you take all the different parts of the company. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then with that, with all of that experience and um, just being in the process of the growth and development of the Inland Empire because of how long the company has been invested here, what are some of the major issues, both maybe good and bad, that have influenced the evolution of both San Bernardino County and Riverside County? Well, first, the initial attraction of the Inland Empire in some part was just land. There was a lot of land here. It was affordability both for housing, but for other real estate uses. And it was a different quality of life. We would hear from a lot of people, they felt that there was congestion in Los Angeles or in Orange counties. And this was 30 years ago and 40 years ago, they were more congested. Right now we see those as still drivers, but there's a lot less land here. And the housing is still affordable relative to other parts of Southern California, Mm -hmm. but it's not as affordable as it should be or needs to be. I think on the quality of life, we've got a different quality of life than was here 40 years ago or 50 years ago. And in many ways, we've got a better quality of life now. There's more of what people call social infrastructure, sort of the the backbone of the clubs and the programs throughout. And I think there's a lot more things just going on. There's certainly more shopping, there's more good restaurants. So I think the quality of life here, it's a different quality of life, but it's a better quality of life. Now, having said that, we have to deal collectively, the private sector and the public sector, with a lot of the issues that have come from growth. Mm-hmm. Certainly, the issues could be traffic, they could be air quality, it could be housing, which is a statewide and a national issue. It's homelessness, mm-hmm. and now it's economic development and recovery from the COVID crisis. 
Yeah, definitely. And that's a great lead into my next question. Um, So obviously COVID-19 is on the forefront of everyone's minds and you've had a career dedicated to providing homes to families and retail developments to to employers. So how do you think COVID-19 will impact how and where homes are built? And then on the converse and complementary side of that, um, does the future of retail change as a result of the current situation? Those are great questions, Rachel. The the impact's gonna be enormous, but it's too early to tell. I spend a lot of my free time reading everything I can and talking to the smartest people possible. Nobody has the answers yet, Mm -hmm. and it's gonna be evolving. You hear people asking, when are we gonna go back to normal? When are we gonna go back to life as it was? I think the only true answer to that is we're not going back. There's gonna be a very new normal, and it's gonna be a different normal. People are calling this the great reset. It's really looking at almost everything in life and it's going to change it. It's going to reset it in some different ways. Other people have called it the great accelerator. There were some trends that were happening and might have happened over five or six years or eight or nine years. It's going to accelerate those trends. And some people have called it the great magnifier, sort of problems that existed or opportunities that's going to make them greater. Hmm. So I think that's what's going to be happening Certainly the trend towards working at home. We have seen a society that you can work at home. There are costs to it, there are problems with it, but there's also some great opportunities. So I think how we and all companies in the region work from home is gonna be very exciting to see how we all adapt to what's right for our particular organizations. I think overall things that I'm hearing from people I respect is there probably will be more demand to get away from some of the more crowded areas. I don't think this is the end of density by any means, but I think it will cause some people to say, I'd like to get to more suburban areas. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's gonna be good news for the Inland Empire. Mm -hmm. We're already studying a lot changes that it may come to how homes and apartments are designed, how our communities are designed. And I think that will change fast because those are things that you can make some quick changes. Mm-hmm. We're hearing a large demand for home offices. In many cases, we're hearing customers say, I don't need one home office. I need two home offices because both people work <laughs> or there may be three people who work in the family. Mm-hmm. We're hearing a call for more multi-generational housing where mm-hmm. possibly people, a family could live with the grandparents or a family could have a divorced child come home. We think there's going to be a lot more multi-generational living. I think there's going to be a lot more emphasis on health and safety. People always cared about that, but it wasn't necessarily at the forefront of their thought process. I think health and safety are going to remain very powerful motivators. And I think we're going to see a lot more home-based businesses. And I think we're going to see a lot more entrepreneurs, either people who have lost their jobs or people who said, hey, the heck with the company I was working for. I want to start my own. So. Over time, Rachel, I think we're going to see an evolution in the homes that we build, the communities that we design towards health, towards safety, and trying to change their design for the new way we're going to try to live in the future. Mm -hmm. With retail, it's not going to be an evolution. With retail, it's going to be a revolution, and it's going to be a very disruptive revolution. 
Yeah, definitely. I think I think it's very interesting to see and watch how our society has adapted to these changes, some more nimbly than others, um, especially in regards to the telecommuting. Um, I know personally, my husband and I were both working from home in this time, and we luckily, or we thankfully just bought a home recently, and so we're able to kind of separate and be in our own space. But if we had been in an apartment or maybe in a smaller um layout of a home, it would have been really challenging to have conversations um, like this where we are both having meetings at the same time and things of that nature. And so it makes sense that we would see a rise in people wanting to see more home offices, maybe not just one, but two, maybe even three. And even we're hearing some people talking about redefinitions of what goes on in a backyard mm-hmm. and a redefinition of what goes on in a garage. Mm-hmm. So as we've been talking to some of our employees and others a lot of them are having to do their work in their garage or having to do their work in their backyard. Interesting. I think something all the companies should be looking at in organizations would be to survey their employees because it's easy to say, oh, you and I, Rachel, are talking and this works well. But for a lot of people, it hasn't worked well. Mm-hmm. And so for, I think it's important to survey employees to say what works, what doesn't work, what are the challenges you have. It could be childcare challenges. It could be access to getting back to work. It could be something as simple as that you may have two people in a one-bedroom apartment. You may have children. You may have dogs barking. And so I think this telecommuting is not going to be simple. And I think it's going to take customized solutions for each organization and each member of that organization. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That That's a great practical piece of advice, particularly for leaders of various organizations that are tuning in right now, just to be able to get a pulse and take a pulse of where their employees are at, particularly with these new circumstances. Um, so... Switching gears a little bit, do you do you think that COVID-19 is going to change the type of projects that Lewis Companies has in its portfolios? Definitely. We've always focused on what we call purposeful development. And historically, we've focused a lot on health and education. How can our communities make a difference? And also building community. Mm-hmm. And almost in all of the different projects we do, health and education and building community have been very important. We certainly care about profitability. I don't think that we'll care. We can't remain in business if we're not profitable. Mm-hmm. I believe going forward for our company, economic and development and growing jobs is going to be very important to our company. It's a way to give back. We, we do a lot of philanthropy in the company. And one of the things I'm interested in now is just saying, what are things we can do to encourage economic development, not just in our developments, but in our cities where we do work? Mm -hmm. Because I think we're going to face a long, hard recovery and anything we can do to help others get jobs is going to be very important. You know, for us, you asked about what kinds of projects, but first I'll talk about where. I think we're going to focus really hard on finding cities that want good quality development. Doing work in California is so hard. And I think Mm -hmm. the next two years, it's going to be especially difficult. And so for us, we're going to try to say, which are the cities that put out the welcome mat? Which are the Mm -hmm. cities that say we want quality development? Because it's hard enough in normal times with what's going to happen in the next couple of years because of COVID. We want to go where we're welcome and where businesses in general are are welcome. Mm I think what we're going to see is our retail centers are going to change quite a bit in the future because of this. 
there was already a move towards fewer small stores. And I think this is just one of the things, the great accelerator, the great magnifier. I think the trend towards more powerful retailers, most of whom have done very well during this, is just going to increase. I think it's going to put added pressure on some of the small independent stores. And that's a shame mm -hmm. because they add so much to the life of the shopping center, the life of the community. Mm -hmm. There had been a move that had gotten a bit of traction to put more services. It could be dentists or eye doctors or care salons or others in shopping centers, things that can't be purchased on the Internet. I think, if anything, that's going to grow in the future. And I think, Rachel, I, I haven't read about this, but my hunch is we're going to need some t new types of retail, maybe more food courts or places like the great project through downtown rivers I've got. And maybe even for retailers to say, I can't afford that 1800 square foot store I got, but maybe if I could be with grouped with four or five others in a 400 square, square foot space, I'm not sure that could look what that would look like. But I sort of think there's going to be some new ways to try to service these small retailers or these small businesses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that at the core of the, I think you're referring to the Riverside um, Food Lab, correct? That's correct. Yeah, I, I think that one of the really great things about the Food Lab is the experience that you get when you walk in. Like, yes, of course, it's the food, but it's the atmosphere. It's more of this like collaborative nature of so many different people or literally restaurants coming together in a similar space. And so... And it's neat because you can go in with a family and you mm -hmm. can each choose what you want and then get together. So I think that concept will probably grow stronger. And mm -hmm. you know, that's what I was wondering, whether it be a way to apply that concept to some of the smaller independent retailers. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't know what it is, but I think there might be something there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of taking it from a different angle, I know that you're involved in many policy groups. And so I wanted to ask you, what are the policy implications of everything happening? Well, I've been fortunate enough to serve on the board of the Southern California Association of Governments, which is SCAG. I follow very closely what ARCOG does, what its sister COG does in San Bernardino County. And what I've learned is definitely there has been a need for regional planning and cooperation. And I think that's only going to grow in the future. The challenges are getting greater at an accelerating rate. Mm -hmm. I think something like ARCOG, it's really good because it's good for convening. It's very good for research and development. Some of the best thinking on growth in the future is coming from groups like SCAG or ARCOG or others. And it's very good for just big picture thinking. So I think the future for the those organizations is going to be very strong. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And th that's a great lead into my next question. So as someone who has been involved in regional entities like WRCOG, like SCAG, what do you think is WRCOG's role in the region, especially moving forward with uh, in a post-COVID-19 world, per se? When I look at RCOG, it's obviously vital for Riverside County, but I think it's vital for the entire region. It has big impact on San Bernardino County, on San Diego County, and Orange County, because the freeways don't stop at the county line, diseases mm -hmm. don't stop at county line. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's a huge role for something like ARCOG. ARCOG has been a thought leader for a long, long time. It's been a think tank. And I've been impressed with its broad-based agenda. It can get, handle so many issues that you normally wouldn't think of coming from a council of government. 
The other thing I think that's going to be important for ARCOG and SCAG and some of the other groups is just the role of educating the leaders that are involved in it. Throughout history, leaders have had a real ability to inspire others. And I think during the challenging times that we're facing, ARCOG can be a good place to educate the leaders that are involved with it on what's going on, what are the solution, and then giving inspiration and leadership to the constituencies in their cities or their other organizations. Definitely. I, I really appreciate you providing insight into WRCOG's role in the region. And I agree that, uh, that WRCOG is a thought leader. Obviously, I'm biased. <laughs> um, but as a longtime resident, are you generally optimistic about the future of the Inland Empire? And if so, why? Unfortunately, I have to give a mixed answer to that. I'm optimistic about the Inland Empire because some of our natural competitive advantages, the land, the affordability, they're still here and the quality of life is still very strong here. I'm also optimistic because of the leadership that we have in both counties. We've got good leaders, we've got committed leaders, and, and almost all of the ones I know, they're really nice people, and that matters. We wanna work with people who are nice people. Mm -hmm. So that gives me a lot of cause mm -hmm. for optimism. We've got strong resources with academia here. There's a great college and educational system here. And there's strong, good groups out here, groups like the Inland Empire Economic Partnership. And so I think that locally, there's a lot of reasons for optimism. There's, we, there's good cooperation now. I think going forward, we're gonna to need to think how to get even more cooperation. Mm -hmm. Where I get pessimistic is about California, unfortunately. Mm. And California has long been a land of dreams and opportunity, and it still can be but it is so hard to do work in California. And so things that we're dealing with now as a company and as a region, we're dealing with a lot of unfunded mandates coming out of Sacramento. Fund for important needs for more housing, for example, more affordable housing, more affordable housing supply. But these are things that can't be solved just by local jurisdictions or the local county. Mm. We're gonna need to get tools out of Sacramento to help for some of these unfunded mandates. Redevelopment had been a good tool. I hope Sacramento can find something to replace redevelopment and to look at other tools. I'm also a little nervous, just some of the re regulations in coming out of Sacramento. It's clear that we need CEQA reform. I think CEQA was created to do some good work, but there are a lot of abuses of CEQA right now. We're gonna have to look at CEQA reform. And even things as simple as some of the air quality, and I believe in trying to solve air quality. It's very, very important. And having the Air Resources Board coming to Riverside is going to be a great coup for the area and a real mm -hmm. benefit. But how we study things like vehicle miles traveled and what the impact is going to be on regions like the Inland Empire, it's going to be very important that we try to solve some of those problems going forward. I think also cause for pessimism and a bit of optimism I feel sorry for the schools. We've always believed in getting very involved in schools, but there's a generation of the class of 20 and all the young students now that have really been cheated out of a lot of opportunities that they deserve. And I think we're gonna have to think how to work together. Funding is one issue, but just getting involved in local schools and saying, what can we do? Asking school board members, asking superintendents of schools, asking principals, 
how can we help our schools? I think that's going to be vital for all of us to roll up our sleeves and get off the sidelines and mm-hmm. get back in the game to helping them. Mm-hmm. I think as a region, we're going to have to grow our way out of this recession. You can't do it just by cutting and cutting. We're going to have to grow our way out. I think things that I think are going to be important first, the cities that are going to be successful going forward are going to have to ask the hard questions now. A lot of these questions, they can't kick down the road. Hmm. They're going to have to say, what are the functions in our community that are mission critical? What are the ones we can't touch? What are the ones that we don't want to touch, but we may have to touch? And I know in prior recessions and downturns like this one, we found that by making the hard decisions early, it sometimes gives a lot more choices and options down the road. I think the pain of the recession is going to grow over the next few months. I'm not sure when it'll turn around. There's beginning to be some good signs. But I think cities are going to really have to look at some of those hard decisions. I think for a number of the cities, they're going to, try to look at the assets and resources they have in the city. Some could be assets like count city-owned land or county-owned land, where the city might have a chance to monetize some of that. No one wants to sell an asset, but in times like this, it may make sense for cities to say, do we have some excess land that can be sold to give us money to support some of those mutual and critical functions? Hmm. I think the cities will probably, Rachel, need to look at the the shopping centers in the community. It's unfortunate, but there's way too much retail. There was too much retail before COVID. There's way too much retail now. And as as you marry that surplus of retail with a need for housing, I think a lot of cities are gonna find opportunities to say, how can they repurpose some of their shopping centers to make the surviving stores even stronger and to also create housing opportunities. Mm-hmm. People have talked about the end of retail. That's This is not the end of retail. It's just going to be a major disruption. Mm-hmm. And I think what cities should do is come up with a retail strategy to say, what is the retail that's successful? How do we help the strong get stronger? And those where they don't have a strong future and make those hard decisions to repurpose some of that retail. Mm-hmm. I think... There's also going to be an opportunity in the Inland Empire to look at some of the other buildings. They could be manufacturing buildings or others to say, can those be repurposed? I think there are a lot of parking lots that are probably too big, and there's some buildings that are functionally obsolete. Having said that, I think there's going to be a real opportunity for us to look at some of the manufacturing that's going to be coming back to the United States. More and more, I'm hearing that the governments are saying, we don't want to be so dependent on foreign suppliers and the foreign supply chain for medicine, for critical defense materials, even for something like food. I think it's real likely that there's going to be a move back to the United States mm-hmm. some of this for some of this manufacturing and jobs. And this is where the Inland Empire has a good workforce. It's mm-hmm. got land and it's got some maybe obsolete buildings. So I hope the cities will be able to look at those opportunities And I hope ARCOG can take a leadership role on that. Mm -hmm. I think lastly, for for me, for successful cities, I think they're going to need to reach out to their businesses even more. First, to find the ones who are struggling to say, what can be done to help the struggling businesses? But secondly, to look at the ones that are growing, that are thriving, and that will thrive in the future, to say, what can we do to help you grow in the future? How can we find more businesses like you? 
throughout the country there's a theory the cluster theory that says when you can get a few in a one cluster in the industry they feed upon each other almost like the food court you talked about earlier i think what we'll need to do through our cog and some of the other planning agencies is see what are some of the industries of the future what are some of the businesses in our individual cities? How can we work together to help them grow? And how can we find other businesses like them to form a cluster for future growth? Mm-hmm, definitely. One of the things that you said that really sticks out to me is that we can't cut our way through the recession. We have to grow our way out of the recession. And I think that's a really, I think from a foundational perspective, that's probably that's a really great way to look at the future moving forward of how are we identifying to your point those core um, values those core services that we need in a city or we need in a jurisdiction and then building off of that and so um, I think that that's a great perspective but with that I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on our podcast um, we're really oh, looking forward to just the future of a region and we're so thankful for your investment in the Inland Empire do you have any final remarks before we sign off Oh, just to thank the board and the leadership of ARCOG for this opportunity and to thank them for all they do. Again, we the problems are so great and the opportunities are so great. The private sector can't do it alone. The public sector can't do it alone. I think through collaboration, it'll truly be a case for one plus one week or three or four instead of two. Mm. So thanks for the chance to be here. Of course. Well, thank you so much. For more information on WRCOG and the COGCAST, please visit our website at www.wrcog.us. For more information about Riverside County's efforts on COVID-19, please visit rivcoph.org coronavirus.